if we can make our networking, our, our initial message, our inter initial interaction in a way where that person that we're networking feels like they are the only person that can answer that question. Showcase who you are because people hire people. If you're getting an interview, most likely you're already qualified for the role. They're just trying to see if there's some sort of connection, if you're a good fit for your team. All right, welcome, 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 welcome to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast. Today's episode is one that's really dear to my heart as an immigrant myself. Um, many of you guys know this, that I'm not from America. You can probably tell by my accent. You can definitely tell by the spelling that I have. If you ever receive my email or, or see some of my LinkedIn, I, I have a grammar or spelling error in 90% of them. And um, that's not an excuse, but I just wanted to say that like I'm not from here, right? I was born in Colombia, South America, moved to the United States when I was young, and I just struggled with languages. And so I'm probably the only best-selling author you know that can't spell. Um, and I also <laughs> understand that as being an immigrant and not being from this, there's a lot of like inside jokes. There's a lot of cultural differences. There's a lot that can make it uh, difficult to accelerate and grow within your career and even maybe building a network. Maybe there's, there's tons of things. And so after talking to our guest today, and I'm going to introduce it in a second, uh, we identified that this would be a really good conversation to have on the podcast because um, your background is not a disadvantage and it shouldn't be a disadvantage and in fact can be your biggest competitive advantage. And so talking about it and understanding it is going to be very helpful. So whether you are a first generation, second generation, third generation immigrant, because you live in America, odds are you are an immigrant, just you don't know what generation, right? Um, or you maybe don't feel like you, like maybe you feel isolated a lot or you, you feel like that, that, that you're weird or unique and that kind of helps you not fit in. This is still going to be very, very helpful. And so to talk about this particular topic, I have an amazing uh, career coach with me today. Her name is Alexandra Silagi and I, and I, it sounds like I pronounced her name correctly. I sure did not, um, but we'll let her pronounce it correctly. But Alexandra, I'm so happy that you're here and welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you so much for having me. You were very close with the last name. You know, like I said before, it's really hard to pronounce with that American tongue. Um, but my name my name is Alexandra Siladi. I'm from Hungary. I had a similar kind of background where when I was young, I uh, left my home country. I didn't come straight to the United States. I moved around a little bit, um, but I moved to the US when I was around 13. So I do kind of understand what it's like to be the first generation immigrant, as well as a little bit of that second generation immigrant experience of, okay, I don't have, you know, my parents network to rely on. So you kind of have to figure things out on your own. Um, but I'm very excited about this topic. It's very near and dear to my heart as well. I know a lot of people struggle with um, figuring out how to fit in culturally, like you said, and some people view it as a disadvantage, but it truly can be an advantage if you view it in the right light. So I'm super excited that you're here and you're obviously a wealth of experience. You um, have done some amazing work, but really would be interesting for you to share a little bit more about like what got you uh, involved in this, you know, what, you know, I, there's a lot of immigrants in the United States, but what it made you decide to like kind of make this your career and wanting to help first generation, second generation immigrants. 
Yeah. So the way I started in career coaching was very simple in the sense that um, I helped a lot of my friends figure out the process. And I went to a very international university. Um, I went to Baruch College where a lot of students were international. A lot of my friends growing up here in the U.S. were international as well because immigrants tend to make friends with immigrants. So when I figured out that I can help a lot of my friends figure out their careers, and I've pivoted my career several times, um, once I figured out how to do that, it became kind of a second nature of, okay, well, here's what you should do. And so after I helped 10 of my friends figure out their careers, and I got this secondhand fulfillment and excitement um, from having helped them, I figured this would be something that I could try. And having started, having tried, I didn't this wasn't my niche initially. And it took me quite a while to figure out that this was actually my niche because I looked back at my clients and, you know, usually you tend to gravitate towards people who have something in common with you. And so I looked back at my clients and, oh, you know, two thirds of them were immigrants. So that's kind of how I figured out, okay, so this is how I'm showing up, how I'm able to bring my experiences and help other people figure out what they're doing. And and I've talked to, you know, people, my parents' generation with accents um, who have trouble fitting in in the United States. And I've talked to younger people who are trying to get into the United States as well from other countries. And they have all of this wealth of experience, but they just don't know how to apply it. No, I love it. And so like, let's start playing like some devil's advocate here. Like, you know, what do you think is the biggest, um, I would say, limiting beliefs or challenges that you know, immigrants are facing in the job market here in the United States when it comes to help them finding a job. So I think a lot of it is that mindset, right? Because you start to believe that you're not good enough, that you're not qualified enough. And sure, people who grew up here have the same types of mindsets, but I think there's that additional layer of difficulty when there might be a language barrier to your point that you you said earlier, or if you feel like culturally you come from a completely different background, you know, some cultures are not as comfortable with advocating for themselves. Some cultures, it's not as easy to say, hey, here's what I did, you know, help me get promoted, help me get to that next level because they're not as individualistic as the United States. So all of these limiting beliefs are definitely about around, you know, not having enough experiences, not knowing how to frame it up in a way where it does show your impact and your value. So one of the things you said is like, uh, not as individualistic as the United States. And I think that's one of the biggest cultural differences between the United States and other countries. What other, or if you'd like to expand more on this one as well, what other, what do you think are the biggest cultural differences that uh, immigrants are facing compared to how things are done in their country, you know, and I know every country can be very different, but generally speaking, and how things are done in the United States. Yeah, so it's, again, you know, it's different depending on where in the world you are from, but different things, like for example, in Japan, you know, they actually end up hiring Americans to say, okay, things are going wrong in the company, here's why, you know, to stand up to their bosses because they have this culture of, everyone should just put their head down and follow the lead and you know your work will speak for itself and you get promoted the united states very different you have to be that squeaky wheel of like i did this i did this okay here's what's wrong here's how much is on my plate and i can't take on more so you have to advocate for yourself so that's one example but another example that i love that is very small that you wouldn't even think about is adding a picture of yourself on your resume some cultures 
want that and you have to do that in Europe you have to do that in the US that, that's kind of you know a disadvantage because you're just giving room for bias before they even get to meet you so little things it depends on where you're from but there's always little things that you won't realize until you have something to compare it to so I totally agree with that. And one thing I've noticed in the United States is, you know, the internet has made it so easy for us to apply for jobs that therefore has made it very difficult for us to get noticed. So because of that, because you can, anybody listening to this can go and apply to hundreds of companies every single week, right? There's easy apply button on LinkedIn and their equivalent counterparts in every other job site, right? That you can apply rather quickly. Companies are not flooded with applications. And because of that, companies want to, tend to prefer, you know, for, for good for good reason, uh, referrals and recommendations or their employees there or, you know, people that they or those employees know. Because I know as a hiring manager myself, I rather like interview, maybe not necessarily hire, but definitely interview someone that I knew already within my network or someone that my team knew because my team knew what it took to be successful in that role. And as an immigrant, that can be a disadvantage. And I think about this in my personal experience as well as my, my, I came to this country with just my mom and I, my, my rest of the family was in Colombia. The areas that I grew up wasn't a super affluent area. And so nowhere around me, not my mom, no, nor my neighbors, right. Uh, had a, a job making more than $60,000. You know, they were, they were made, they were middle-class at best. And so Therefore, I personally didn't grow up with someone that can give me that referral, that can get me the end, that can get me the interview. Um, and so I would say, like, what, what are some of the challenges that, that you see and how do you overcome some of those networking and, and network challenges? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, even even I face that issue, like I mentioned earlier, not having parents with that are very well connected makes it more difficult, even just coming out of college, even if you're growing up here, because at the end of the day, the first job, the first internship is always the hardest and the people that you surround yourself with, that's who you compare yourself to. And that's what you know, and not being able to talk to people who are making millions of dollars a year, even though you know that it's out there because you see it, not having that a direct access to them absolutely affects how much you have limiting beliefs. You know, if you're talking to people that are making only $60,000, you're like, okay, that's my cap. Once you start talking to other people and you're, you see that they're making $300,000 in a year or $500,000 in a year, then you're like, oh, wait, okay. So the United States really still is this land of opportunity. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to networking, you know, it, it's very different from other countries. You have to be very proactive in building your network and you have to do it in an authentic way. So I see a lot of people reaching out to other people on LinkedIn and saying, Hey, can you get me a referral without any warm up, without any, you know, let's get to know each other as people first, because they know that the way to get your foot in the door is through those referrals. But doing that is actually a disadvantage because that person can't vouch for you. Sure. There are companies that offer money rewards for people who refer others and they get hired. But at the end of the day, you're asking them to put their name on the line when they're referring you. So you have to be very cautious and careful about how you approach that. And you have to be able to build those relationships before you can make that ask. And to, to that point, it's also important to network to figure out what you do and do not want out of your roles. Because again, 
you you only know what you see or what you've heard of. So having these conversations can also weed out specifically what you don't want from a role. Absolutely. And, and I want to say this, like if you're listening to this and you're an immigrant and you're like, yeah, Daniel, like we understand, like uh, Alexandra, I get it. Networking is important, but like, like, I don't know anybody. I don't know where to start. Like, people, why would people want to help me? And I, I can tell you this from my experience as I would tell you that I'm like, I, I was, a, I started out with the podcast to talk about one of my biggest weakness, which is spelling. I would actually kind of like, you know, pat myself on the back. I think on the, on the flip side, I think one thing I've been really good at is networking and building relationships. And I think it's done built on the back of giving first, adding value, making it mutually beneficial. But with that being said, I kind of want to encourage you to let you know, like, I actually think the most people, I would even say 99.9% of people that I've ever met are good and want to help. Like, whether you are white, black, Hispanic, Colombian, European, Chinese, like, at least my experience in my part of the United States, and I traveled to a lot of places for, for work and for pleasure, um, most people are good and most people genuinely want to help you. It's just how you ask and how you build on that relationship that then makes the difference on whether they help you or not. Have you found? What have Absolutely. You found? I, I, I'm just sharing my experience. I would love to hear if you've had similar experiences from your end. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, most people do want to help, but you also have to be cognizant because people get so exasperated when they're trying to network and they're on LinkedIn, they're sending out these uh, cold reach outs and including their messages, yeah. doing everything right, quote unquote, but then they get exasperated because they're not hearing back. But you have to put yourself in other people's shoes mm -hmm. as well. You know, people are busy. It's the summer right now, right? So people might not necessarily be checking their LinkedIn's or um, you, you have to be cognizant of the fact that just because you need help, that's not necessarily the, the the case for other people, right? And there are people that are willing to help you, but it might not be the right time. So also being cognizant of that, I think, helps and in putting that into perspective of, okay, networking is this numbers game where I'm going to reach out to 10 people, maybe out of 10, one person will have the time for me at this point. Doesn't mean that in two, three months, they won't reach back and say, yeah, absolutely. Let's chat, right? Let's talk about what what you need, um, things like that. But being cognizant of that will help you not feel like you're being rejected when you're trying to network. Um, I think that's one thing that's very important to keep in mind. So I, I, I totally agree. I actually want to share two two different like networking principles that I that will really help you understand how to network properly. And I think this is universal, not even not even actually in America, right? So I wanna start by kind of sharing a story and an example. And then I want you guys to answer this. You're listening to this podcast or you're watching this on YouTube or Spotify, think about this. So imagine this scenario, right? You are going on vacation and you are on your way to the airport. And you are kind of, you're feeling like rushed. Like you feel like you're, you're gonna be late to the flight. You know, the flight, leaves in two and a half hours, you're about 45 minutes to an hour away, you know there's gonna be some traffic. And so you're, you're, you're already nervous, you're not even sure if you're gonna make it or not. And you're driving during a, you know, downtown of your city, and you see this old lady getting robbed, right? You see this old lady getting robbed, she falls down, you can see the guy stole her purse, you can see that she's, she's not getting up, but she's, she's conscious, right? But she's not getting up, a little scraped up, you know, there's a little bit of blood, and you are driving and you walk and you look around and you see that there's people already on the sidewalk. The guy from 
from the stores walking outside. There's there's people there. There's other cars. There's, so you're not the only one there, right? So the question that I have for you is, knowing all those factors that I just shared, would you park your car as, as soon as possible and get out and help the old lady? Or knowing that if you did that, you will for sure miss your flight. Like odds are you might miss your flight. Well, maybe not for sure, but odds are you must miss your flight. Would you, in that scenario, would you stop and help this old lady? And me personally, yeah. What would you do? So are you asking yeah, yeah, me? Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely, you know, it, it, it puts into perspective for sure because people have their own things going on and their own worries and things like that. But um, it also depends on the person, what their priorities are. What is the scenario that you're flying for is someone that, you know, dying, right. <laughs> then it changes the scenario or is it just a vacation, yeah. right? Because flights can be rebooked, but this old lady might, might not have the help that she might need immediately if you don't stop and, and help. So um, putting into perspective of, okay, what are the other factors I think, you know, is important. Me personally, I definitely would try to stop and help the old lady. Um, but there's also that bystander effect of like, okay, well, someone else can deal right. with it, right? So um, it's, so it's interesting uh, to, to try and put that into kind of the framework of a career as well. Well, I, I see what you're trying to do. What you share, because I think it's really interesting, right? I think, right, and, and I ask this very commonly, I, I do this exercise with, with our clients and we do this in a, this, we talk about this exercise, there's two, two parts to this exercise and I'm, and we do this in a longer version of it. But in this short version of it, right, like most people, as I go into more of the details and the circumstances, like the lady's not gonna die, right? It's just a couple of scrapes. There's other bystanders around that are already approaching the old lady. And what we identify is that most people would agree and I, probably what I would do is, Oh man, that's really unfortunately, but I'm glad someone else is there to help. I am too busy. I'm running late to the airport. So I, I feel bad, but I'm going to keep going with my life. I'm busy. Right. And that's like the most yeah. common answer. Like I totally understand. Like, you know, like it, that, that's the most common answer because somebody else was there to, to handle it. And you're just like, okay, somebody else got that. But if we change a little bit of the factors in that story and say, Hey, the airport's still true. Everything's still true. The only difference is it happened at 5 a.m. in the morning and you were the only person that saw it. And I think I yeah. would agree with you because 99% of people at that point will stop the car, are willing to rebook the flight, are willing to take the gamble, get off the car, call 911, call, hey, this old lady's here. Please send an ambulance. Call the police to go find the guy who robbed her. And maybe not stay there forever, but wait until the ambulance comes and make sure that old lady's okay. Tell the lady, who do you want me to call on your phone? Is there somebody you want me to call? And at least make sure that it's taken care of, right? And, and, and that's like a principle of saying, like, if a crime happens in public, it's less, less likely to be reported than if it happens on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So you're, yeah. you're probably like, everyone's like listening to this podcast. It's probably like, okay, Dana, great, great story, dude. But what does that have to do with job searching? And I think it has a lot to do with networking. It has to do with job searching. Because if we can make our networking, our, our initial message, our inter initial interaction in a way where that person that we're networking feels like they are the only person that can answer that question. They're the only person that can help me. They're dramatically more likely to stop the car and help you. 
But if you ask a very general question and that person feels like you copied and pasted that message to every person on LinkedIn, it's not that they're bad people. It's not that they're jerks. It's not that they don't want to help you. It's that they're going to be like, I'm too busy. I have 343 emails. I have a meeting with my boss in 15 minutes. I'll get to this later or like, or so, you know, with great intentions and the message will get lost. Or I think somebody else can answer that message. Yeah. 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 And that's such a great point. And even, you know, something I've seen more and more is people using chat GPT yeah. um, to write these messages, to write their cover letters, to write their resumes, all of these different things. And yes, it's a great tool, you know, use it to your advantage, but without that personalization, it doesn't, it doesn't feel authentic. And that goes back to what I was saying. You have to authentically yeah. um, be interested in the person because at the end of the day, you're not just asking for that referral referral you're trying to build a relationship um and relationships are not just these one-off transactions um but yeah to your point most people are good at heart most people want to help and if you are able to find a way to personalize things or even if you frame it up as tell me about you yep. tell me about your experiences i want to learn from what you were able to accomplish people like to talk about their experiences they like to talk about themselves you know yeah. humans are humans um so that's a really great way to build that connection and then you can make a small ask and, and it should never be hey can you refer yeah. me because if if you build a good connection with the person they'll be like oh you're great let me refer you no the ask should be something small hey based on this <laughs> conversation what should my next step be right Absolutely. or who should i be talking to have you ever heard of this is like if you ask someone for advice you get a job but if you ask someone for a job, you get advice. Yep, yep, absolutely. And it, it just goes back to that, you're you're not building the relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because you know most people are asking for people for jobs and then what happens is if you do get a reply, they're giving you advice on how to get a job. But if you ask for advice or you ask to learn their story, what ends up happening is they, they end up projecting their goals or what they did is right. And so they try to get you a job at their company because it's like it's like self-righteous or i don't know like it just feels like it, it like boosts their ego and so i think like i love that quote uh so i actually want to bring this back so let's say the same story but i'm going to change one little detail from the original story it's not an old lady it's your mother right <laughs> yeah. would you stop then even though there's a thousand people around would you stop then Absolutely. Right? I think, you know, it puts it, it's a completely different story then yeah. because it's someone that you love. And it, it's actually interesting that you bring up, you know, your mother, because recently I helped my mom uh, kind of pivot her career and I call her my unofficial client, but it's such a good feeling to be able to give back to the people yeah. that you love. So absolutely. 100%. I'm stopping that right. car no matter what. And, and I think like, so like, okay, let's change the story just a little bit. It's not your mother. It's your neighbor. Like you're still stopping. Like, so I, I guess the point is this, like, and, and this is where the second big point of networking, the first point is like, it's, it's like, make it unique, make it be the old lady at 5am in the morning. Like ask a, such a unique your question. The second way to get someone to stop, if it's not a unique question in a sense, it's commonality. And the more you have some commonality with someone, the more they're likely to help, the more they see themselves in you, 
the more they're likely to. Why would everyone stop for their mother? I wouldn't say everyone, but most people will stop for their mother is because there's no more. There's like that's it's your blood. She gave birth to you, right? And the same thing, we would stop for our neighbor or our roommate or our friend or or that, right? And it's and, and so those probably things, or even if you think about this, like what if you are in another city? So what if you're not you're we're in the United States, but what if you're 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 I'm, I'm in Italy in vacation with my wife and that old lady or that person that fell down is wearing a UCF hat, like from my university. And I can tell they're a tourist too. I might now be feel more obligated to want to help them because of the commonality that we have. Yeah. And I think that's the second point is like the most, the more you have in common, the better it is. And I think you could build those, 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 those commonalities. And so that's where, if you're listening to this and you're networking, you might not know anybody that works at Disney if that's your dream company. But maybe as you're networking with other software engineers that work at Disney, are they are they also immigrants? Are they also from your hometown or your home country? Did they go to your university? And that's going to dramatically increase your messages. And when you can combine both of them, when you can make a unique personalized question and connect it with a commonality, it's like virtually 100% reply rate. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, that's such a great point because this is, this is where immigrants will feel disadvantaged again, but it could be an advantage because you might feel disadvantaged because you're not from here. Yep. So you're like, how do I build that commonality? But it can be something as simple as having the same hobbies. Yep. So I always encourage people to, you know, it doesn't have to be long, one small line on your resume at the very bottom where you list out your interests because it's such a good icebreaker. Or on your LinkedIn profile, you can, in your your bio, write a little bit, add a little bit of flair, add a little bit of personality to show who you are. It doesn't have to be yeah. all buttoned up all the time. People get so caught up in, okay, it has to be 300 characters and a, or, you know, 300 words yeah. and it has to be so buttoned up no you want to showcase who you are because people hire people if you're getting an interview most likely you're already qualified for the role they're just trying to see if there's some sort of connection if you're a good fit for the team so um so adding that personality that can be how you find that common ground absolutely um so in colombia when like if you, if you can describe what the national uniform is like one thing that pretty much every Colombian owns. It's the soccer jersey of the Colombian team. Is it the same, <laughs> is it the same thing in Hungary? <laughs> um, Hungarians do follow soccer, but the Hungarian team, unfortunately, for the past, I would say, decade or so, hasn't been too great. So um, I think it, it, it would be, I think with Hungarians, it's more so just national pride, yeah. pride of the 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 vineyards that we have the castles the all of these beautiful aspects to our culture so um it's just that national pride <laughs> I, I, so i think it's like that like for me if i if so if i if i'm in colombia right and i'm walking around and i and if i were to say hello to every single person who has a colombian jersey on i would say hello to everyone especially if it's game day yeah right but if i'm walking around orlando doesn't happen that often. So if, if I go to a Starbucks or I go to a bar and someone's wearing, or I'm at the airport, right? Whatever the scenario is, and I see someone wearing a Colombian bracelet or a Colombian jersey, it's like an automatic invitation to break the ice and have a conversation, right? 
And I think that the power of like immigrants, like it's like when you can have a common a commonality with someone and then you're a minority because of that commonality, it's powerful, right? Because going back, it's, it's, the key is being, having a commonality when the commonality is a minority, right? Me talking to a Colombia in Colombia doesn't work. You find different minorities. Me talking to a Colombia in Orlando works. And so if you are an immigrant and you are in the United States, a lot of times find those, that minority where you're a minority becomes your advantage in that networking scenario. Oh, absolutely. I, I love that scenario. And, and, you know, even the Hungarians, there's such a strong community. There's a massive community and it's somehow now it's global. So somehow all the global people that have Im immigrated to different countries, not just the United States, um, we have the Hungarian Scouts, we have uh, Hungarian School, all of these different organizations that kind of bring us all together. So um, definitely, if I hear someone walking down the street speaking Hungarian, that is not the norm. You know, that is that is definitely out of the blue. And I get so excited. I'm like, oh my God, it's someone Hungarian. Or even if I see a last name that is Hungarian on a list of attendees, I'm like, I need to find yeah. this person yeah. specifically. We just like, <laughs> gravitated towards that. It's, it's super, super interesting um, how, how that works. And I, I know, Alexandra, one thing before we wrap up, um, have you ever heard of the concept of the immigrant's advantage? The immigrant's advantage? Um, can you yeah, expand so a little bit more? And then let, I me, can... let me expand this. So um, there, there, I don't know if it's a book or it's definitely not my, I definitely didn't make this up as much as I would love to take credit for this, but it's definitely not me. And unfortunately, I don't know who it is. I would have to Google it. But anyways, the concept essentially says like, as immigrants in, in America was built, it's is, is a land built by immigrants. And there's a really, actually a really good book by JFK, which is America, America, the land of immigrants. And it talks about how, how essentially, you know, it, America was built by immigration. So you, you, you start with saying, okay, the Irish came in, they built the, the railroads, the Irish, this first generation of immigrants had kids and all they wanted is, is their kids to be better than them. And so, what happened is that those kids then became like those kids then became kind of like you. They went to high school and they had more better professions, so they went to police officers, firefighters, and so you see a lot. If you're in New York, a lot of Irish second, third generation Irishmen are police officers, are a lot of trades jobs, a little bit better than construction workers that build the railroads, but are now kind of like growing in their tears. Those kids of the police officers and firefighters, so would you know consider middle class making, you know, 80 to $100,000, they then, those are like to say the third generation then end up going to college and become the accountants, the doctors, the lawyers, and so on, right? And you can see this repeating itself over and over with now being like the Hispanics, being the ones who are building, right? Like who does farming, who does cleaning, who does, who does the construction? It's a lot of the uh, Hispanics from Central America, South America, right? And what you're seeing is like, it, it talks a lot about like the future in the United States is going to be Hispanic. There's so many Hispanics that are, that are now going to college are getting educated. They're starting businesses. And so you can see the influence of that moving forward. So what, what does that have to say? I think it's like being an immigrant brings an advantage because it brings this like grit determination, this work ethic that when life is good and you're comfortable, you don't, work us hard and we all fall for that like we are I, I i deal with that all the time right 
and, and a good example is like my wife's parents are American and my, and Cuban, second generation Cuban, and my, her great grandparents, uh, you know, were from, um, from actually from Europe too, right? So my my wife's uh, parents are doctors and has a master in psychology. So both of her parents went to college. They have a good income. They live in an amazing neighborhood. And even though my wife had everything, didn't have a lot of like challenges growing up, and she's she's really hardworking, but it's really hard to compete with me with an immigrant mindset of like that drive in essence. And so sometimes it's really hard to replicate that if you don't go through some of these challenges. And so what we think it's a disadvantage of you know going through hard childhood, going through some hard times can actually, if we make it through the hump, become such an advantage and competitive advantage that no one can outwork you and outcompete with you because of that drive. Absolutely. Now that you've, you've given yeah. it more context, absolutely. All the immigrants that I know, same thing, you know, it, because yeah. you go through challenges, moving to a different country is not easy. Yeah. Assimilating to a different culture, not easy. Learning a new language, not easy. But these people, they are doing it regardless. And because they're able to push and they have all of these challenges, you know, they've done so many studies. The people who go through the most difficult challenges, for example, people with disabilities end up doing such amazing and inspiring things because they've had to overcome a lot of different challenges. And so for me, for example, I moved around a lot. I went to 13 different schools and with each school, I was like, I have to catch up in my head. I was like, I have to catch up. And every single school, I ended up being in the top 10 students because it's like, okay, I need to catch up. But I, it ended up being going farther than all of my classmates. And I've been able to take that and apply it to my career. And absolutely all the immigrants that I know, they're amazing. They push beyond, um, uh, beyond their comfort zones. And that's the hardest thing to do uh, to step outside of your comfort zone. But part of it is also, if you're a second generation immigrant, you have to be, you, you remind yourself, okay, well, my parents came here for a reason. It was difficult for them. They worked really hard for me to get these opportunities. So I have to give back, right? So it becomes a cycle of, okay, let me just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And so that's why I said, you know, the United States is still the land of opportunities. The yeah. American dream is still very much alive. It might feel like it's out of reach, but it's very much alive. And same thing with me, my partner, he's American. So his parents grew up here. It was his grandparents who immigrated. And so he has a very similar story of like, he, he'll tell me all the time. He, he'll say, how are you able to just push and push and push? And I'm like, I don't know. That's just, that's just in my nature yeah. because I've had to assimilate. I've had to constantly in my head, catch up um, and catching up actually ended up pushing me beyond, beyond my peers. It's so, it's so beautiful. Like if you're listening to this guys, like I, gals, guys, trust me on this. Like if you're an immigrant and you're saying, look, but it's, I just been dealt a hard hand. And actually I'm saying it feels that way, but maybe if you look at it from a different perspective, if you can get through this hard time right now, you are actually going to have such a massive, massive advantage because the work and the grind and the grit and determination, which look, the number one indicator of success is not GPA, is not IQ, it's not even EQ. 
It's grit. It's not spelling. It's not spelling. <laughs> Look, I have a best-selling author who can't spell. I just have grit. I just always do is I have grit. Like, you know, um, yeah. And that's what that that's what immigrants have in, in, in spades and aces. Like it's 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 that. And and, and there's a, a phrase actually, I don't know if you've heard this, is like um uh hard times make strong men. Strong man makes hard times. Wait, wait sorry, is it? Oh my God, I'm saying it wrong. I, I, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you heard it before? It's like, oh. I do, I do. Hard times make hard hard uh, men and then um, comfortable times make weak people. So I think that's yeah, what so, you're yeah, kind of going I, for. It was hard times make hard men. Hard men makes good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times, right? And if you actually do that, that's actually three generations. And so it's like, you it's, it's you know, first generation, Another another word for this is first generation builds it second generation maintains it third generation destroys it yeah um, so that's actually a really common pattern in history um if you even look at businesses and family businesses and wealth that's passed down to generations and that's the that's a good thing right and and it's all could be a bad thing but the thing why the thing that's a good thing is that if you're an immigrant it gives us an ability to win Right, it gives them a bit because the third generations have been given so much already. Everything was given to them. They won't work as hard. They take things for granted, and someone in the first or second generation can come and eat their cake and win in this country. And that, to your to 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 the point, I, I, I you know, not without getting political in this podcast, which is not a political podcast. It might feel like the American dream is not reachable or is not there anymore. I'm actually with you and I say, it's there, um, it's still there. Like I, I'm living the American dream. So I, I can tell you, I'm living the life I used to dream of. Yeah, I mean, even when I was in college, I, I did not go to a Target school. I went to a, a small CUNY in, the, in New York City. And uh, I remember we had all of these recruiters come to our campus and they, every single one of them said, we prefer recruiting from this college rather than Ivy Leagues because you've had to work for it. And so even that just puts it into perspective. You know, Ivy Leagues are great because you have the most amazing network. Yeah. And it's it's so cool that these people have this opportunity. But the people who don't have the opportunity, who have to work twice as hard, it kind of shows. Yeah. And companies can see that as well. Absolutely. So actually, I know we kind of went over time, but this is such an awesome conversation. If people listening to this podcast want to learn more about what you do and how to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Sure. So they can check out my website. Um, it's Atlas Careers, A-T-L-A-S-Z, careers.com, or they can find me on LinkedIn. I believe uh, I'll send you a link and, and maybe they can find me through that as well. Yeah, we'll put the links, all the links you send me, we'll put them on the show notes so that you're listening. And look, if you're listening to this, look. Trust me when I say this, if you are an immigrant and you listen to this, whether you're an international student, uh, first generation, second generation, uh, you have advantage here. Um, so I hope you guys uh, think a lot about what we had this conversation today. And if you are looking for more support, uh, definitely reach out to Alexandra. Um, and if you are an international STEM student, definitely reach out to me. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, like, subscribe, and share this with a friend. You guys are awesome. Alexandra, you are awesome. Thank you so much and catch you guys. Thanks for having me. Catch you guys on the next episode. Bye.